It's time for Conversation with Crete. Tim Ashoff is with us on the program. Tim, good morning. Good morning to you, Dave. Great to be back on. Hey, it's great to have you back on, and uh, good to talk to uh, Chris Hickelman. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Dave. Always a pleasure to be on. Well, I'll tell you what we've got, as I mentioned uh, at the uh, onset here at the top of the hour, we uh, are going to continue driving down the, the highway to health. Driver health has become an important focus. You know, i got to tell you that in, in terms of uh, trucking radio broadcasting, guys, we, we pretty much uh, broke the seal on talking about driver health and well-being, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago now. We ran that flag up the pole. Nobody saluted. They turned their back. We couldn't get arrested with this topic. But, you know, slowly but surely, almost one driver at a time, folks started saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, let's let's get serious about this. The trucking companies started getting serious. You guys, obviously, a long time ago. The truck stops really started getting serious. They got better food, the salad bars. They running tracks and walking tracks, exercise rooms and all of that. Um, and I remember once a, a fellow, I think it's 32 times around a tractor trailer is just about a mile. And uh, there were a few guys in the early days that would do that. And the looks they got, people would take videos of them walking around their truck. What are you doing? You know, I'm walking a mile. Uh, so, you know, it, it's so great to see that Health has become such a focus. Um, guys, um, what, what steps has the industry taken to improve the health and safety of drivers? Sure, Dave. Um, you know, when we look at, at the industry, I think it's important first to look at, you know, what has what the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration done or have attempted to do? I mean, their goal is to improve the safety and reduce fatalities on, on nation's highways, and including by looking at ways to improve driver's health. And as I look at what the FMCSA has, has done, two real key aspects stick out in my mind, and, and that is you know, the certifications of DOT physicians and different steps that they've taken for fatigue management. As you recall, back in, I think it was May of 2015, they started to require that all DOT uh, physicians become certified. And the purpose of that is to, you know, make sure that our DOT physicians are being educated about, you know, the FMCSA medical standards for commercial motor vehicle drivers and enhancing their understanding of the mental and physical demands of operating a commercial motor vehicle to ensure that the driver can can safely handle those those demands. So it's making sure that we just have good qualified medical examiners uh, out out in the field and and uh, you know as they examine our our, our drivers uh, for qualification. And the next big aspect I saw was was fatigue management, and there were a number of, of push pushes uh, in the FMCSA to to you know try to manage fatigue and. As you recall, you know, with hours of service, you know, they instituted a 30-minute rest break, um, as well as they attempted to modify the 34-hour restart provisions to uh, basically keep those more in line with, with circadian rhythms. Ultimately, that 34-hour that reset provision ultimately failed, but there was an attempt to modify that. I mean, we see a strong push towards, towards e-logs with the, with the new regulation coming in December. You know, and, and one of the main aspects of that is to prevent coercion, uh, you know, trying to prevent those, those drivers from being 
forced to, to drive over their uh, their allotted hours, and along that you had the anti-coercion rule. And finally, we saw a big push to uh, you know for OSA rulemaking. Ultimately, uh, that that rulemaking was was pulled. But since 2008, the FMCSA has really looked hard at obstructive sleep apnea. Uh, and uh, and through their various sub agencies have uh, have made recommendations to DOT medical examiners, and those recommendations are are still being relied upon by a number of of the DOT medical examiners. You know, a, a parallel to what you're talking about here, and I don't know how many studies we are going to need. If, you, if we could pave some areas with these studies, we, we may be able to create some parking. But yesterday on the program, I ran through a part of a study. It's a 136-page study done by Oregon State University, ODOT, and um, uh, Federal Highway uh, Administration. Not, not, not so much FMCSA, but the Federal Highway Administration on the parallel and the correlation between lack of truck parking and truck accidents. And they really connected the dots on this thing, and they've cited Jason's Law as one of the uh, motivating factors to actually even do this study out at the university. Um, it seems almost too simple a solution to provide more parking, but you can't sleep if you can't stop. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have all of these the the National Registry of Certified Medical Examiners, it's a great thing because we get away from that, you know, DOT exams while you wait joke, you know, and the uh, problem is it wasn't so much of a joke. Um, this past week, we just saw sentencing in, in, uh, in Georgia on that doctor who uh, falsified uh, medical exams on so many drivers and everything. That wasn't common, but it wasn't unheard of. That tightens that up a bit. We're tightening things up, but we're still uh, kind of missing the boat, Tim. I think when it comes down to one of the the basic thing, you know, where the rubber meets the road kind of solutions for fatigue is just finding safe places to park. It is, and it's a it's a tough thing to answer. Um, you know, we, there's uh, there's always capital constraints for for state governments. Typically, are the ones who are going to provide um, rest stops with some federal subsidies. Um, so that's a challenge. We we don't seem to be going anywhere with an infrastructure bill. Um, you know, private companies and truck stops and others have been trying to grow, but they run into a lot of regulations and growing in spaces where parking is particularly needed, especially up in the Northeast. I've talked to some of our truck stop vendors and, and you know, they've spent lots of time and, and money four or five years to try to get permitting at some places to build truck stops with more parking and not able to get it. Um, we've tried to do things to, to make more parking available at our facilities um, and have the amenities at our facilities so the drivers can come to our facilities and park and then certainly work with our customers to allow uh, you know parking on site at the shipper and the receiver but uh, I'm afraid this is a challenge that's not going to be overcome quickly. Yeah I think you're right you know one of the things Chris that you mentioned was uh, the pullback on the um, sleep apnea rule but again, last week, um, a couple of senators, uh, Schumer from New York, Booker from New Jersey, have introduced a bill to um, kind of push back on that pullback, if you will. Now, they're generally zeroing in on railroad because, you know, up in that northeast corridor, uh, rail is, is king, so to speak. 
Uh, and, and then they've had those a couple of bad uh, train wrecks where sleep apnea, uh, one undiagnosed, um, were the causation, or at least a great percentage of the causation. So uh, what I was going to ask you is, uh, given that, given the Schumer-Booker uh, effort to kind of reintroduce sleep apnea again into transportation, do you see maybe uh, another about-face in, in uh, the world of uh, sleep apnea studies and rules? Well, that, that's interesting, Dave. I mean, you also have to throw in there, you know, what the FAA is doing, because they mm -hmm. were also pushing to uh, to have sleep studies for for pilots. And so it would be interesting to see what the railroads and the, and the airlines uh, respond to this. I think from, you know, I don't know with respect to, to regulation and what's going to come about, but with respect to practicalities, what we're still seeing is, look, we have the medical review boards uh, and the other entities' uh, joint recommendations out there with respect to sleep apnea. And what we're finding is that our DOT physicians are still very much relying upon those, those recommendations. Now, those recommendations were to form the basis for the, for the rulemaking. And even though the rulemaking has stopped, the recommendation still very much exists. And as we've been talking to our providers, their prerogative is, look, these recommendations are based in sound medical science, and, and we're going to continue to, to follow those recommendations. Uh, yes, it is up to our discretion, but, but when we use our discretion, we have to base our discretion in medical scientific uh, fact, and those, those uh, recommendations do guide our thought process. So, I mean, even though the regulation has, has stopped, or the rulemaking has stopped, I don't know that we're going to see much change in practice. Yeah, because as a as an attorney yourself, you know that uh, when it comes down to uh, making an argument in court, is it against the law? No, but weren't there recommendations from you know highly reputable uh, entities that you really do it this way? Yeah, why didn't you follow those recommendations? Well. I don't know. You know, I mean, you really get into that, and, and it kind of drills down pretty quick, right? Well, you, you hit the nail on, on the head, and, and that's the concern with the medical examiners is uh, there, there's certainly fear of liability out there. Yeah. And, and Dave, I think one other thing we're, we, we forget is that there is a real benefit to people that are treated for, for OSA. I mean, we've seen that with our own program. We've been providing um, free sleep studies to our drivers who need them since 2010, 2012 timeframe. Um, and, you know, once undiagnosed drivers that once they start being treated and, and take that on, they do see great uh, improvement in their health. And then we hear that. So while we have this regulatory side of it, uh, I always never want to forget uh, the firsthand kind of human side of it as well. Um, now, it's always nice when when that can be taken on uh, knowingly and wantingly uh, because I think you have a better um, chance of, of, of having good treatment and success. So, you know, regulatory um, burdens can be different. They can force things that maybe aren't the best way to do things. But from a human perspective, there are health advantages to being treated if you do have sleep apnea, and we've seen that firsthand. Guys, you're talking to a fellow who uh, would not go to bed without his CPAP machine firmly in place myself. It's made a world of difference in my health, in my life. So, yeah, I can fully um, equate to that and, and uh, 
you know, say, you know, let's forget about the law. Let's do what's right for uh, ourselves and our health, our families, too. Um, we're going to take a real quick break here. When we come back, uh, Tim, let's talk a bit about the culture of safety that you guys uh, have developed through the years. We'll be right back. It's our conversation with Crete and Tim Ashoff. Chris Hickelman are with us on the program this morning. Our conversation with Crete continues. Tim and Chris are with us on the program this morning. Tim, uh, you know, you have to uh, basically have a, a platform, a foundation on which to stand. No house can be, you know, no house built on sand will will prevail. That's a biblical thing. Kind of murdered the quote, but <laughs> I think we get the idea. So uh, how, how, how deep and, and strong and solid is the foundation uh, of the culture of safety that you guys have developed? Well, we're very fortunate that it's it's very solid here. You know, starting over 50 years ago, um, our foundation was built on we believe that our safety begins with the driver, and so our focus for those 50 plus years has been you know how do we as a company support that environment and that culture of safety for the, the driver, and and you know we it, it's a teamwork between um, the driver and and us here in the office out in the shops. Um, we say you know the driver's still the captain of that ship out there. They need to know what is safe, what is not. They have to make those um, those decisions out there on the road every second, and we need to provide an environment where they can do that knowing they have all the tools they need to make the right decisions, whether that's you know good equipment, good safety support, um, safety system in the truck that can help them make those decisions, but they're still the captain of that ship. But then they also need to know that there isn't going to be um, you know, any concern coming from us if they do make a decision for safety. Um, you know, we, we always tell our, our people in the office and the drivers out on the road, there's not one load of freight that's more important than the safety of our drivers or the people with whom they share the road. And so that's been our theme for over 50 years, and that, you know, really drives our decision-making and our culture here at Crete and Schaefer. Yeah, well, you know, that goes back to when you say 50 years, you know, when, and again, I kind of uh, was bragging a little bit about going back 15 years in terms of health and welfare, of health and well-being here on the program. Um, but 50 years, I mean, that really says a lot about how deep and how strong that foundation is. And absolutely. And then part of that is, you know, we've been family owned and, and privately held debt free for those 50 years. And so we can continue that culture and make those long term decisions, you know, that are right for the overall benefit of our drivers, their safety and, and for everyone uh, at the company. And, and, you know, that also then benefits our customers. We have many, many long term customers. Our very first customer is still a customer today. And I think um, you can't do that without providing good quality service, which really for the customer begins with safety as well. Chris, uh, boy, when you say insurance, people, they start uh, pulling their hair out, the head starts spinning, eyes glaze over, mine does. Um, but insurance is part and parcel of any health program uh, because you just can't afford it without good insurance. Uh, how, how, how have you guys been able to, to kind of navigate through this increasingly difficult maze of insurance and, 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 and the, the affordability of insurance, the availability of insurance for your folks? Sure. You know, and it's been a, uh, you know, since 2010 with the Affordable Care Act uh, coming into, into play, I mean, it's been an, an interesting road, but we have a, you know, we've always had a, a 
strong standard principle that health insurance needs to be affordable. People need to be able to obtain the insurance and they need to be able to to use the insurance because even if you're making monthly premiums if you have too high of a deductible and you're not going to utilize that insurance then you're not getting that that benefit and so we've always tried to take the best steps that we could to make sure that we're providing high quality affordable insurance to our drivers and their families for for them to be able to, to utilize that and get quality access to care uh, when they when they they need that and, and also you know we we've tried to make things as, as simple as we as we can our insurance program isn't incredibly complex we offer a, a wide array of, of benefits but there but we try to make those choices as straightforward as we can and give the drivers all the informational tools that they need to make an informed decision on what coverage options are are the best for them you know we also are are, are a self-insured healthcare provider. And that gives us some some uh, flexibility to control costs uh, as well. And it's been we've been able to keep costs uh, low uh, for you know for for many years. And although you see the industry increasing premiums by by double digit percentages every year, uh, that's not what we're seeing. Uh, and, and in our case, we haven't had had reason to increase our premiums by double digits. We haven't changed our copays and deductibles for, for many, many years. And overall, our plans have performed uh, better than other employer-based plans in the, in the market. And so w- with that, we've been able to keep those, those prices low. You know, we do offer a gold standard health insurance plan. Now, that gold standard is a rating that's assigned uh, by the uh, various ranking mechanisms under the Affordable Care Act. And you look at some of the things that we try to do, you know, for family coverage, you know, that's that's over $1,500 a month worth of worth of cost to maintain that that coverage. And right now, that employee is paying, you know, about $383 a month for family coverage, while while Crete's paying $1,184 a, a month for that coverage. That's the employee or the employer subsidy. So, if you're choosing family coverage, what that basically means is, is on top of your pay, Crete is providing more than $14,000 worth of employer subsidy so that you can have that family coverage at, at, an, at an affordable rate. And that's not, not a high deductible plan. That's a, that's a $1,000 single, $2,000 family plan. And so it really is a, a good, affordable, quality plan at a very affordable rate to our drivers. We are very, uh, in fact, we're just about out of time here, guys, and we haven't even scratched the surface here because we haven't talked about software and we haven't talked about uh, what the future might hold in terms of health, uh, driver health and safety. So maybe um, in, in, a, in a future uh, get-together here, we can kind of revisit some of that on the program. But, Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for being so, uh, so thorough, too, in, in, in uh, your explanations. It really means a lot. Well, my pleasure. Always a pleasure to be on and be happy to be on in the future and discuss those those other items. Chris Hilkerman, he is the uh, VP of Risk Management and the Associate General Counsel at Creek Carrier Corp. And uh, Tim Ashoff, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you, Dave. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Our conversation with Creek, Creek Carrier Corporation.